We're going to talk about that warrior tonight because he gives us the victory. So Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, beginning at verse 10, our last message out of the book of Ephesians. Before we start a new series in the book of Philippians next week, I'm looking forward to sharing those messages with you. After all that Paul has said to encourage and edify the Ephesians, verses that we even shared earlier before our time of worship, that we are filled up with all the fullness of God, that we have the power of the resurrection within us, that that, that, that power is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or think, that he's raised us up with Christ, that he's seated us, seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. He's done all that because he needs us as God followers to know who we are in Jesus and to be strong and to know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the reason Paul wants us to know that is because of the very last words that he's going to share with us. And that is that we are in a battle. And we need to be aware of the battle that each of us faces every day. Please follow along with me as I read the last half of Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day and having done everything to stand. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news of the gospel, and in all this, by taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And with every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And to this end, be alert with all perseverance and request for all the saints. Pray for me also that I may be given the message when I begin to speak, that I may confidently make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. Tychicus, my dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will make everything known to you so that you too may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Paul has built up the followers of God because he wants us to be fully aware of he, as he ends this very powerful letter about the challenge that you and I have as Christians. I, I want to take this passage tonight and I just want to sort of 
explore it a little bit from what I call the 30,000-foot level. We're not going to get into talking about the individual pieces of armor tonight. That was for another study that I did. But I want to give it a little bit of an overview tonight, and I want to share six things from this passage that God spoke to me about and wants me to share with you. The first one is this. We need to stand firm because we are in a war zone. Whether we realize it or not, whether we are conscious of it or not, every day as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are in a war zone. Remember, the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world, and you and I, therefore, are living in enemy territory, and the majority of people on this earth are not embracers and followers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we will always, as Christians, be outnumbered, if you will, from those that aren't Christians and want nothing to do with our God. They will always, at least from a human perspective, have more resources and more people and more money and more everything, and we're in a war. In fact, you even see that language in this passage. I mean, he uses things like swords and shields and breastplates and fiery arrows. It's language of war, of battle, of strife. In fact, in verse 12, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, some translations accurately use the word wrestle instead of struggle, and that's exactly what the word means. It means a hand-to-hand combat. Think about that. That's pretty close. That's up close and personal, as we say. Our spiritual enemy... is someone that you and I, whether we realize it or or not, we can be in hand-to-hand combat at any time with. And that's part of the reason why Paul has encouraged the Ephesians not only to know who they are in Christ, but to continue to grow as a Christian because It's so important that we become fully aware and that we have discernment and perception about the war and the battle that we are facing and that we truly know we're in a fight. We're in a fight. But secondly, I also want us to see that we should never underestimate the enemy that we are fighting. Not only should we be aware that we are in a war zone, but Paul lays out why we should never underestimate the enemy. First of all, one of the reasons why is, unlike every other enemy that we face as human beings, this enemy is invisible to our eyes. Notice he says in verse 11, or in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Oh my, even as Christians, we need to absorb that truth and let it hit us because even as Christians, many times we go through life and we think our enemy is someone who's flesh and blood, that that's who we're really fighting. 
and it's really not. There is a spiritual, invisible entity behind what's going on, you see. That's who our fight is against. And that's what makes it even more challenging is because unlike wars and battles throughout human history, unlike jihad, that there's a definite group of people that, you know, and, and like us, we go to battle or war or we're fighting someone. We know we, we can put faces. We know who it is. But here, the Bible is telling us that our fight, our struggle, our hand-to-hand -hand combat isn't even against flesh and blood. The reason we should not underestimate the enemy, though, is not only because it's invisible, but because it's powerful. Notice the words here in verse 12. Against rulers, against powers, against world rulers, against spiritual forces. Oh, and by the way, at the end of verse 11, the devil himself. Paul is wanting us to realize, look, do not take your invisible enemy lightly. They're strong. They're powerful. Not only because they're invisible, not only because they're powerful, but they're wicked. They're evil. The very name or characterization of Lucifer, the devil, is one who simply is out to destroy. I mean, even Jesus says that when he talks about the one who's not the good shepherd, but the thief who just comes to rob and kill and destroy. Wicked. Notice he says in verse 12, spiritual forces of evil. Then over in verse 16, the flaming arrows of the evil one. Folks, they're not only invisible, they're not only powerful, but they're wicked, they're evil, they're base. They will not fight fair. They will do everything wrong. There's nothing right about them or their tactics or the way that they wage war. And finally, another reason why we should not underestimate the enemy is because of their cunning. I get that from the word schemes of the devil in verse 11. We know that the Bible paints our spiritual enemies as those who are deceitful, those who are sly, those who are tricksters, who use every trick in the book. I mean, you could go on and on and on about the cunning of the enemy. So they're invisible, they're powerful, they're evil and wicked, 
and their cunning. No wonder then the third thing I want to point out here is that our strength, if this be the case, if this is the enemy that we are facing, then Paul wants us in no uncertain terms to understand that our human strength is inadequate for the struggle. Which is why then in verse 10, he actually starts out this passage by saying, finally, don't fight them in your own strength ever, but be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Because our power, what you and I can bring to the fight, will never be adequate. We cannot fight this enemy on our own and expect to be successful. Without the strength of God and the resources that God supplies us, we'll get beat every time. And that's why it's so important that you and I wake up every day and allow the Lord to strengthen us and for us to commit ourselves to spiritual growth so that we can continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger, not in ourselves, but in the Lord, to be full of his power. That's why throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul has concentrated so much on reminding the Ephesian Christians about the power that they have within them that is available to them, and it's not their power, it is the power of God that he's given them. Just for a moment, go back to chapter 1. At the very beginning, in verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul is praying for some things for the Ephesians to know, verse 18. To know, to be fully aware of is what that word means. One of them is the hope of his calling. Another is the wealth of the glorious inheritance in the saints. But notice the third one, verse 19. He wants us to know and become fully aware of the incomparable greatness of his power toward us who believe. The same power that is displayed in the exercise of his immense strength. This power, verse 20, he exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And Paul is basically saying, guess what? You and I have that power available to us. So that you and I don't ever have to live any day of our life in our own strength, in our own power, but we can be strengthened in the power of the Lord. Then if you go over to chapter 3, verse 20, notice he says here, Now to him who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. Paul keeps reminding us as Christians about the power that is available to us. All we have to do is tap into it, you see. Rely on it, depend on it, not try to live our life and especially be in these battles with our very formidable enemy with our own power and strength, but in the strength that God supplies. I go back again to a great biblical illustration where the young shepherd boy David was able to slay the giant Goliath, but it was because he didn't go out there in his own power. Obviously, David, humanly, would have never been any match for Goliath. But he didn't go out there in his own power. He went out there in the name of the Lord. Those stones that he slung at Goliath 
were stones that were supernaturally empowered by God so that when they hit their mark, they made a dent in that giant. And God wants us to have that same faith every day that you and I can operate our life on a whole other level, that we can literally live with supernatural power and strength. And let's face it, you know, we've sort of been talking here initially about, you know, the enemy and how formidable he is, and you and I could maybe get the wrong idea that somehow, you know, this is a little intimidating. God doesn't want us to be, listen, God wants to give us the reality of the playing field. God wants us to know that the enemy is not someone to trifle with or play around with. He's more powerful than us by far on our own, but with the power of the Lord, he is no match for us. Because as John said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And the power of the Lord is the power of the Almighty One, the one who has all power. Even Satan and all the demons put together have not no kind of power compared to God. Nothing. So if you and I live and, and breathe in the power of God every day and exhibit his strength, then that means the enemy is no match for us. No wonder then the Bible says resist the devil and he will have to do what? Flee. Not because he's no match for us, but he's no match for the strength and the power that is present within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to the next point that I've sort of gotten ahead of myself, but, and that is that God's resources are sufficient in the conflict. Don't misunderstand what Paul's saying here. Yes, we face a formidable enemy. Yes, we're living in a war zone. But the resources that God has given us as his children are more than enough for us in this fight that we will find ourselves in at times. Whether it is, it's his strength or, as he says here, it is the armor of God, verse 11 and verse 13. In fact, we get hints throughout this passage that God's resources are sufficient for us and that we should be encouraged. Notice over in verse 16. He says, if you and I will take up the shield of faith every day, which is simply relying and depending and trusting and believing in the Lord and putting all our weight on the revelation of God and who he says he is and what his promises are, then Paul says you and I can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not some of them, all of them. Whatever flaming arrows the evil one shoots at us, all of them can be extinguished. Why? Because God's resources are sufficient. And one of those resources is faith. You'll also see through this passage how often the word stand is used. I want to go back to that. Because I think if I had to even title this entire passage from 6.10 down through the end of the chapter, I think I'd title it, Stand Firm. Because over and over and over again, that's what Paul is saying. Notice, 
Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God, verse 11, so that you may be able to stand. Verse 13, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day. Having done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm. Those words over and over again actually speak to the sufficiency of the resources that God gives us. Why? Because God says, I'm giving you enough resources that you can stand against the attack of the enemy. And that word stand not only means to withstand, in other words, to take whatever the enemy gives us and to continue to stand, but it also means it was a military term to hold our ground and not give an inch. And Paul is saying, if you and I will take the resources of God, take his strength, put on that armor, you and I will have enough to be able to withstand and hold our ground and not be intimidated, not retreat, not fall back, but stand our ground and hold our ground until the attack is over and then just keep on moving forward. To stand. God says, I've given you enough to be able to stand. Not to cower, not to cringe, not to run away. One of the verses that comes to mind is a verse out of the book of Psalms where the mighty Ephraimites, who they were known at one time as a mighty fighting force within the nation of Israel, it says, the mighty Ephraimites, in the day that they were carrying their bows and arrows, turned back in the day of battle. See, you and I, even as soldiers of the Lord, can have all the the military weapons, so to speak, but it really comes down to the courage and the heart of the soldier themselves. You and I not only have to believe in the weapons that God has given us or the armor that God has given us, but we've got to believe in the God who told us we can stand. That's why I loved our time of worship tonight. It was such a strengthening time. It was a time just to reaffirm and reassure ourselves of who we are and who God is and that God's got us and, and he's enough and he's more than able and all of these things. We won't be shaken. Even if we seem like we're surrounded, we're surrounded by him. These are, these are things, these are truths that we need to continue to remind ourselves of so that we don't allow the enemy to push us around. Because as children of God, we have enough within us through the Lord to be able to stand against the enemy and take whatever he wants to give us and still stand at the end of it all. Now notice this very important point. After we realize in this passage that we are in a war zone, that we should never underestimate the enemy and that our strength is inadequate for the struggle, but God's resources are sufficient in the conflict, the fifth thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Yes, God supplies the armor, but we must avail ourselves of his provision. 
This is so important. Because notice twice in this passage that point. In verse 11, he doesn't say, oh, and by the way, God will put it on you. No, no, no. That's not God's responsibility. God says, no, that's each of our responsibility. We are to clothe ourselves with the full armor of God. Then in verse 13, he says, for this reason, you and I are responsible to take up the full armor of God so that we may be able to stand. See, like many things in the Christian life, God has given us everything we need to be victorious. But God won't do everything for ourselves, everything for us. There's got to be some skin in the game, as we say, from us. We can't be passive. Too many Christians are passive in this fight. They just sort of sit back and just have the attitude of, well, I'm just going to let go and let God and just see what happens. No. It is up to us every day to avail ourselves of the resources of God. Yes, God surrounds us with them. God gives them to us. But you and I have to literally put them on every day. That's our responsibility. That's up to us. God won't clothe this. Nobody else can clothe this. You and I have to clothe ourselves in that armor every day. You and I have to put on, take up that armor every day, and we've got to put it on. What's that mean, Pastor? It simply means that you and I are not to live any moment of our lives in self-confidence and self-reliance and self-sufficiency, but we are to wake up every day fully relying and depending on the armor that God will give us, knowing that it's enough, but I better not go out there without the armor of God. The armor of God is enough, but I better not go out there without the armor of God. And here's the other point. If you read and study this passage, you also see where Paul is also telling us, oh, and you better make sure you put every piece of the armor on. Because guess why? Going back to the cunning of our enemy, whatever piece you and I leave off, that's where the enemy will attack because he's not a dumb enemy. It, he, he sits back and observes our life. And if we leave off even one piece of the armor, that's the area he's going to attack us in. That's why, notice, twice, Paul says, don't clothe yourselves with part of the armor. He uses the term, the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Are we facing our day in the full armor of God? Do we wake up and just sort of blast into the day and forget that we're in a war zone? And forget that we are facing a very formidable enemy and that our strength is inadequate for the fight? Or do we wake up every day going, okay, I know there's going to be more battles out there today. Lord, I need you, God, today. I'm relying on you. And, and the very first thing this morning, God, I'm, I'm going to ask is that you will help me in this fight, whatever it is. 
that you will help me in my struggle. And if the enemy attacks me today, that you will give me the strength because God, I'm not relying on myself in this battle. I'm relying on you. And folks, when you and I begin to live that way every day, you and I will begin to see victory rather than defeat. Because the armor's enough. The strength of God is enough. It's just, are we clothing ourselves? Are we taking it up and putting it on? I mean, think about it. The description of our Lord Jesus, there's some beautiful ones in the Bible. You know, he's the shepherd. He's a lamb of God. But the Bible also describes Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah and as the divine warrior. And God wants us to know that as his children, we are divine warriors too. And he wants us to have that mentality. Yes, he supplies the armor, but we must avail ourselves of it. Oh, and something else as we round this out tonight. Did you notice something interesting about the armor? There is no armor for the back. We must face our enemy. We are not to turn our backs on the enemy. Because God never put or design armor for our backs, but only for our front. Because you and I don't have to be intimidated or scared or fear, fearful of our enemy. If you and I walk in the respect and reverence of God, there's nothing else or no one else that you and I ever have to fear. We can face anything and know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And there are so many Christians today, tragically, who are turning their back on their challenges, their obstacles, their circumstances, their situations. They're running, they're hiding, they're, they're fearful, they're afraid, they're all of these things. And yet if they knew who their Lord was and they knew what their Lord had given them and who they are in their Lord, they would never have to do anything but simply stand proudly with dignity and honor and face their enemy down and know that whatever God gives them will be more than enough to slay that giant, whatever or whoever it is. One of the most often phrases in the Bible to God's people is don't be afraid. Fear not over and over and over again. Or like the first chapter of Joshua. Joshua, you're going to face some battles as you go in and gather that promised land up, but be strong and courageous. I think one of the sad things about the church of the Lord today is that it's become weak. It's become wimpy. We need to rise up as the church and be strong. 
And can I say I think that part of what enables the church to be strong is exactly what we're attempting to do here at the Oasis. To marry, if you will, the worship of God with the Word of God. Because when, when a church, when, when the people of God begin to worship the Lord and get into His Word, there's a combination that is unbeatable. And by the way, that's why the only offensive weapon that you see here for us as Christians in this passage is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. The rest are defense. Worship in the Word. And I couldn't help but think that as I wanted to wrap this up tonight, I couldn't help but think about Paul in this sense. Paul's trying to encourage the Ephesians in the, the spiritual battle and struggle that they are facing. And living in Ephesus was not easy, as we've said. It, it's where the temple of Diana and and a lot of occultic practices and idolatry and all of that. They, they were living in the midst of darkness. I'm sure there were a lot of battles individually and all of that and as churches and stuff to try to be a light in, in that culture. But I also couldn't help but think that even the life of Paul himself writing these words and, and the Ephesians hearing these words from their apostle, Paul, had to also be a reminder, you know what? Paul's not just saying these things to us. Paul himself is living this. Because let's not forget, again, the background of this letter. Paul's in prison. And yet, and yet Paul is not living in defeat. Paul's living as a conqueror. Paul's living victoriously in spite of the fact that he's under house arrest in Rome. So much so that he's not only encouraged himself and he's not only filled with this contagious joy that just, you know, just seems to leap out from him, his being, but he spends his time encouraging other Christians. Because by his life itself, he is teaching us these principles here. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us, we can be victorious. We can rise above whatever the circumstances are. We can rise to the challenge. I get that in the last few words of the, the book. If you look at verse 20 and 20, 21 and 22, he tells the Ephesians, look, I'm sending Tychicus, my dear brother and faithful servant, so that you might know how things are going with me. Now, on the surface, some people might think, well, gee, Paul's being pretty self-absorbed here. Like, no, no, don't forget, the Ephesians are very concerned about Paul. They've been praying for Paul. They want to know, how's it going? It'd be like today, like, Another Christian, a brother or sister in Christ has been really going through it and, and you've been praying for them. Man, if you get an opportunity to find out how it's going with them, you appreciate that. That's where Paul's coming from. And notice something here. 
He wants them to know how well it's going for him, even though he's under house arrest, so that at the end of verse 22, their hearts might be encouraged. Wait a minute. They're the ones that are still free. They're not under arrest. They're not in prison. Paul's in prison, but Paul's the one who's encouraging them. That is showing by his life, not just by his words. Here's a man who was able to take the fiery arrows of the enemy and extinguish them all. They were nothing. Whatever the enemy tried to shoot at him, they just bounced off of Paul and he just kept on going. He just shook it off. I love that, by the way. Nicole used that earlier. I'm like, yeah, I need to remember that. Because that's what we need. We just need in the day of battle, when we start getting hurled at, just to shake it off and keep on going. Not only that we then are victorious in that moment, but so like with Paul, God can use us to encourage and, and inspire and motivate other Christians that, hey, these things aren't getting me down. Nobody's stealing my joy. <laughs> I'm not living beneath my circumstances. I'm living above my circumstances because the resources that God has given me and gives me every day is more than sufficient and more than enough to meet whatever the challenge is. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight that you certainly do not hide the realities of life from us as your children. You never told us that being a follower on this earth of you would be easy, that it would be a cakewalk, that there would be no challenges, no, no difficulties, no fights, no battles, no struggles. No, you told us just the opposite. In fact, you even told us that there will be struggles sometimes against an invisible, powerful, cunning enemy, wicked as all get out, who wants to do nothing but destroy our lives and destroy our witness and to snuff out the light of Jesus Christ within us. But God, you have also told us in this great book that you've given us enough strength and you've given us your armor, God, your armor, not ours, the armor of God, so that we might be able to stand, to take whatever the enemy throws at us and to shake it off and to keep on moving forward to hold our ground, to not be intimidated, to not be afraid, to not retreat, to not back up. But as the mighty church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep on moving and marching forward. Because you've promised us even the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. God, we live in that victory. And I pray, God, that every day we would live in your strength, that we would put the full armor of God on, and that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is enough, that it is sufficient for our victory in whatever challenge we have to face. God, take us home tonight encouraged, strengthened, 
as your mighty warriors. And may we get rest tonight, God, so that we can wake up tomorrow to go out into the battles of life and be victorious again. Though we may seem like we're surrounded, oh God, may we know beyond a shadow of a doubt we're ultimately surrounded by you. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. See you next week, guys. Thank you for being here.